you know, moms, you are amazing. You're truly amazing. You're special. Uh, moms, real moms know that their kitchen utensils are going to end up in the sandbox. They used to build something. Real moms have sticky floors, filthy ovens, and happy kids. That's real moms. Uh, real moms are an integral part of our lives. Uh, we, you know, I can look back through my own life and see without my mom's influence, I wouldn't be who I am today. She just poured her life into me and into my brother and my sister as well. Now, some of the greatest people in history will tell you how important their mothers are. George Washington declared, all I am, I owe to my mother. That's absolutely right. We're going to look at a man, Moses. Look at Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 1. And then went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the children therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the children, child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away, nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another day to be in your house. Thank you for this church. Lord, I pray that we would be thankful for mothers today and every day. And Lord, as we examine the life of Moses, and he was influenced by two mothers, Lord, I pray that our moms would be encouraged to continue to serve you and be a great example to young people and older alike. Lord, I pray you just watch over us now. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Moses was a man of great influence and, you know, he helped a lot right in the Bible. I understand the Lord God used him to pen the words, but he was a faithful man that God used. And he, uh, he had two mothers. He didn't get away with much. He had two mothers. Did you ever say the saying, your, your mom's got eyes in the back of her head? Like, she sees everything. Can you imagine having two moms? She saw everything. There was no way he was getting away with anything. That he had two moms. Both of them fulfilled that maternal role in the life of Moses and helped him. Well, the choices they made impacted Moses and the course of his life. And those choices impacted those long after they had passed away. And I want to examine some of those choices uh, and encourage you about them. So the first thing we see, my telling message is the man with two mothers. Uh, the first one is they chose to give Moses life. Now, a little bit of a background to this situation is found in Exodus chapter 1, verses 7 to 22. Moses was born in a time, actually in a culture of death. 
for the Jewish people. During that time, in Exodus chapter 1, verses 7 to 22, the Pharaoh gives a decree that all male babies born had to be killed of the Jewish folks. Because he was afraid that if an army would come and invade, that there would be a rebellion and they were growing in number and they would outnumber the Egyptians. Uh, and uh, so he was concerned about that. I, I think he hated the Jews, to be quite honest. And uh, so he made a decree that all should be killed. All baby boys need to be killed. Can you imagine moms being pregnant and waiting? Can you imagine that? Wondering whether the little one that was to come would be a girl or a boy. No ultrasounds, right, to help you determine. You know, uh, nothing like that was available. They had to wait until the mother gave birth. And when she did give birth, Jacobet is her name, when she did give birth, he was a goodly child. That means he was good, he was pleasant, agreeable, and happy. In other words, he was a lovely baby boy. Now, one that everyone wanted to snuggle into and, and well, I don't know if this is the right word, give them zerberts. I don't know, like blow on their face and make noises and laugh, give them laugh and giggle and different things of that nature. That, that's, that's who Moses was. And in his mother's eyes, he was perfect. I, I've had the privilege of going to the hospital after... Mom's giving birth and she's holding that baby. And the, the, the light in their eyes is amazing. It's just it's perfect. Holding that baby. Uh, and, and, you know, and sometimes they'll really generously like, well, Pastor, you can hold a baby, but they don't even really want to give them to me. They just want to keep holding them. That's fine. It's great. I'm not upset. Uh, it's the way it should be. And, and they're just perfect. Little Moses was perfect. And she refused to kill him. No way. She chose life, and she hid her son. Her mother, his mother chose to disobey the command of Pharaoh, the ruler of the land. And, and she allowed her son to live. Uh, by the way, uh, Moses' parents were both involved in the decision to give him life. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. It's an amazing statement. They were not afraid. They were going to keep him alive as best they could. So Amram, that's who his dad, and Jochebed hid the growing baby for as long as they could. Verses 2 to 4 tell us here. She bare son. And they hid him three months. And then verse 3 tells us she could hide him no longer. You know, think about it. Everybody knew she was going to have a baby. That's really hard to hide, isn't it, ladies? When you're with child, it's very hard to hide that. And so they now know that she's no longer pregnant. She's had the baby, so where's the baby? I mean, that's a logical question, right? Where's the baby? We want to see the baby. Who does he look like? Or does she look like? Whatever the case. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the existence of a three-month-old, I mean, they're starting to get pretty verbal at three months. They're, they're saying, like, they're Google-gogging and they're making noises. They're crying in the night. You know, all those things happen. That happens before three months. I know that. Uh, but, you know, there's noises being made that aren't normal, right, for uh, a normal couple. It would have been a, quite the challenge to keep him hidden. Quite a challenge to keep the noise down. But her faith in God would not allow her to bring her bring him to his death. She said, I'm going to trust God. And her faith in God led her to a point of trusting God with her son's life. With her son's life. She could not kill that baby. 
She could not secure his life either. She couldn't continue this way. So she made a little basket of reeds and applied pitch to it so it wouldn't leak and put her baby in it. And she sit him adrift on a river that so many other babies would have died in. She puts him in that little ark and away he goes. I cannot even imagine as a mother letting go of that little could you imagine as a mother trying to make that to make sure and, and then let that little... I, I can't even imagine. I'm just trying to think about it and it's, it's overwhelming that that's what's happening. But she trusted God enough to say, God, you're going to take care of this little guy. I can't do it anymore. i got to put him in your hands. And on the, sea, on, the, on the side of the river, there was his older sister watching, watching out for him. Here was a mother who chose life for her child. It would have been easier in the sense of with the authorities, to have his life ended. Death for the baby boy, a Hebrew, was the law of the land. She could have destroyed her young son, but she chose life instead. What an amazing mother Jacobet was. A lady of great faith and trust in God. So we see her choice, and I consider the choice of the princess. So, uh, verse number five, and the Pharaoh, uh, and the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it, she saw the baby, and behold, the baby wept. She was down there, uh, uh, cleaning herself up, and comes floating this little ark. One of her servants goes and retrieves that ark to investigate it. Brings it back and here's this little goodly little baby boy and he begins to cry and she knows there could be a number of reasons. Maybe other Jewish individuals have tried the same thing. Uh, but circumcision would have happened by now as well. So there's a defining mark as well. So she recognized this as a Hebrew baby. And she immediately understands what this mother, even though she did not know who the mother was, was trying to do. She was choosing life over death for her boy. And we're told she had compassion on him. Compassion on him. The word compassion means to spare or to have pity on. In that instance of time, this princess had a choice. She, she could obey the decree of her father and have that child killed. All she'd have to do is say, tell her servant to overturn that little ark and, you know, that would have been the end of Moses. Or she could choose life. This pagan princess, born to a culture of death, chose life for a child when she, when she had been commanded by Pharaoh to kill everyone of the Hebrew baby boys. Now, we need to face some facts here this morning. We, too, live in a culture of death. We live in a culture of death. We live in a world where the womb should be the safest, but it's not. It's one of the deadliest places. It should be a safe place. We live in a world where not every pregnant Woman wants to be a mother. And we live in a culture that allows and has legalized to take away the life of a child. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm all for life. I'm pro-life. Every day of the week. For life. It grieves my heart that in 2017, in the country of Canada, 95,000 abortions took place. That should bother you a lot. Because that's wicked. That's life. And I don't, it's 95,000 precious lives. That's in 2017. And we need to pray for our country. 
We need to pray for our country and thank God for mothers who choose life for a child. For uh, and I applaud you and thank you and, and praise God for every mother that says I'm going to choose life. And though it might be difficult and though it might be hard, I choose life. That's God's will. Every human life is precious, amen. Every human life is precious, and we got no business as humans acting like gods, saying, "Well, we should take this life and we should take this one." No, it's God is. God is the creator of life. Amen. He is and He knows and He determines the, the days of our life and the breaths of our life. Death would have been easier in this situation, but both these women decide to give life. They chose to give Moses love as well. Both the women God placed in Moses' life loved him more than they loved themselves. His birth mother literally risked her life to save his life. You understand if Egyptian soldiers showed up at her house and found a little baby boy that she wasn't going to get out on parole. She wasn't going to be sent to a halfway house to be reformed. She wasn't going to go to the ladies' jail. She would have died. They would have killed her. His adoptive Egyptian mother risked the wrath of her father, the Pharaoh, to save his life. Why would they do this? The only answer that makes any sense to me is love. Is love. They love Moses more than they love themselves. Their love for him motivated them to act. Um, for Jochebed, it's easy to understand. She loved Moses because it was her son. She bore him. Her body gave him life and nourished him as he grow, uh, grew up. Her love for Moses allowed Moses to fill the, great, uh, the earth's greatest destiny for him, uh, for the Hebrew people. He was going to lead them out of Egypt. He's going to be a great man. He's going to be a lawgiver. Because his mother loved him so much, she risked everything to save him. And again, he was able, by God's help, to lead them out of slavery in Egypt. And he, you know, by his leadership, I understand God did it, but God used a man, and Moses was the man. And because of him, they saw the armies of Egypt destroyed. And not in a battle. Not one single sword was raised. Not one arrow was fired. God destroyed them. And they were the greatest army of the land of the time. For love allowed him to fulfill God's given destiny to be the Savior of the people, to lead them to the promised land. The princes loved Moses because I believe God Almighty put it in their heart to love him. Um, I, I've seen this. I mean, I don't know if this exactly how it took place because we're not given all the description of what took place when... She saw the baby, but have you ever, I've noticed this. So a lady comes along and sees a baby and she, and he, that little one starts to cry. You know what the first thing I see so often is, oh, oh, give me that little guy. And she picks him up and it seems to be a connection point right away. And oh, he's so beautiful. I mean, there's no other reason than God putting it in her heart to, for this pagan daughter of Pharaoh to adopt a Hebrew slave. It makes no sense besides God Almighty putting it in her heart. Her, her heart was moved by the plight of this helpless child and she took him as her own son. And she named him Moses. Mean drawn out. Referring that Moses was drawn out of the Nile River. His name would be interesting. It's, it's, it's a great analogy of what he would do later when he drew out or drawn out the others, the entire nation of Israel, out of Egypt. You know, it's hard to escape the irony of the situation. Pharaoh 
had to pay for the upkeep of a child that he had already ordered to be murdered. Pharaoh took care of him because it was Pharaoh's daughter's son. This again is the providence of God. He's watching out. And we need to be reminded that God is, we serve a God who's in charge of all things. He's in absolute charge. He controls every event in life. He has purposes. And we find uh, scriptures to back that up in Psalms 115 verse 3. But our God is in the heavens and He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Psalms 135 verse 6. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He in heaven and earth and in the seas and in all deep places. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. Whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the will of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Now, God has a plan. God put a love in the hearts of two vastly different women to love Moses. I don't think I could find two ladies who would be different, so vastly different. Uh, God spared Moses from certain death because He had a plan for his life. Yeah, He would use Moses in tremendous ways and, you know, just amazing how God put it all together. Uh, a, a Jewish slave and the princess of Pharaoh. I mean, two totally different people. And there's another reason that God spared Moses in Acts chapter 7 and verse number 19. The same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end that they might not live in which time Moses was born and was exceedingly fair and nursed up in his father's house three months. The phrase exceedingly fair means literally he was fair to God. God loved this child. He worked in the hearts and lives of those causing them to love him too. Now, if you're born into a family where you receive love, you should rejoice and give the Lord the praise and thank your mother. Amen? Thank her. Be sincere about it. If you've been loved, you've been blessed. Unfortunately, I know there's lots who have not had that great family situation. Listen, God still has a plan, amen? Follow Him. And still give God the glory that He gave your mother. Give your dad, even though they might be delinquent and they might not serve God, you, you tell them thank you anyway. Give them praise and give them encouragement. The mother of three notoriously unruly children was asked if she... Uh, whether or not she would have children if she could do it over again. Yes, she replied, but not the same ones. (laughs) Not the same ones. A teacher will ask the boy this question. Suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and five children. Which part of the pie would you get? The little boy replied very quickly, a sixth. The teacher with a little grin on his face, I'm afraid you don't know your fractions, young fella. Remember, there's seven of you. Yes, teacher, the boy replied with a big smile on his face, but you don't know my mother. Mom would say, I don't want any pie. You have it. I have met a lot of mothers just like that little boy. Give it away and I'll take care of the crumbs on the pan if there's any crumbs left. Washington Irving once said, the love of a mother is never exhausted. It never changes. It never tires. It endures through all and good repute and bad repute. In the face of the world's condemnation, a mother's love still lives on. 
Thank God for moms who love their children. I'm, I'm thankful for the mother, uh, my mother, uh, who loved me and loved my family. I'm thankful for all mothers who love their children. And children who desperately need today affection and attention and correction. I'm so thankful for mothers who do that. And they're doing that to other children as well who may not have a, a good family situation. They're there encouraging and helping along. Thank God for the love of parents for the children. And genuine motherly love, parental love is a need in our day. We need it. Our children need it. Show them the love of Christ. They chose to give Moses leadership. Both the mothers gave uh, God gave Moses invest themselves into his life. Uh, his Egyptian mother gave him the best that Egypt had to offer. Let me read for you Acts chapter 7, verse number 21. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. This means... The Pharaoh's daughter gave him the best education available. And could you imagine the education training that he had access to? It would have been unbelievable. He, he had access to things that no other buddy in Egypt would get to. He had the best tutors. He had the best education. The best teachers came to the palace to instruct Moses. He didn't get on the bus. You know what I'm saying? To go to school. The bus came to him. The teachers came to him. And all the best the world had to offer. And he was mighty in words and in deeds. He absorbed it. He was, he was quite possible that, uh, he was in line to be Pharaoh because he was a daughter of, uh, or son of the daughter of Pharaoh. He could have been in line to the throne. We don't know that for sure, but it's a possibility. He was trained to be a prince. In Egypt, he was trained for leadership. I believe he exercised that. We see that in his deeds. I believe he did things that showed that, hey, I'm a leader. I've been trained and I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead people. His birth mother gave him something as well that his adopted mother could never give him. His real mother introduced Moses to the God of Israel. She told him about the true and living God as she cradled him in his arms. So the, the song that the young ladies just sang, uh, that's the kind of song that Jacobed was saying to Moses. You know, I, I can remember my kids, uh, when they were small, Michelle would hold them and hum a little song. And I'd sing to them to them, they'd start crying. Children. Anyways. You know, she, she, she was cradling him and telling him of the one and true and living God. She would warn him about the false gods and religions of Egypt as they walked past as a little lad. She would have told him the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Maybe as he sat on her knee, maybe had a little game of horsey, banging up and down on her knee. She would have told him about Israelites about the bondage in Egypt. She would have told him about the promises of God. She would have instilled in him a love for God as a little boy. I'm going to tell you, that's still so important today. 
that we tell our kids, our little kids, we need to be telling them all the time as they grow, but we instill to them as children, as babies and young people, the importance of God. We need to instill in them the seeds of love and truth, and we need to tell them about the Gospel. And tell them that Jesus saves. Her lessons took cold in the heart of Moses. Though he had all those training, and though he was mighty in words and in deeds, his, I believe her lessons rang true in his heart. And how do we know? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect and the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, but in, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Oh, guess what? Jacobed's informal teaching impacted his life and later on he chose God over Egypt. Even though he heard all about the, the gods and Ra, the sun god, the river, the god of the Nile and all those other gods, he refused them and he served God Almighty, Jehovah. Listen, moms, don't you ever think you're not making a difference. You know who's planting those seeds in your mind? The enemy. The enemy. Hey, you got a purpose, moms. Keep influencing. Keep loving. Keep planting the seeds of truth. Keep planting the seeds of the gospel. Keep showing. Have a great example to your children. Show them the ways of righteousness. I met lots of guys over my time who said it was my mom. That's the reason I got saved. My mom, she wouldn't stop praying for me. It was my mom. She kept bringing me to church. It was my mom. It was my mom. It was my mom. Moms, don't give up. You keep going. You keep serving. And though we might not say it often in church, and maybe we should say it a whole lot more, we're for you, moms. We're for you. We're praying for you. Don't stop. Keep going forward. You, you, you got a, you got a fan club. We're here for you. We love you. By the time he was grown, Moses, Moses understood that God was going to use him to deliver the people of Israel from slavery. In Acts chapter 7, verse 24, it says, and seeing one of them suffered wrong, he defended him. This was one of the Jews. And avenged him that was oppressed, and he smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do ye wrong one another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? <clears throat> then fled Moses at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Midian where he begat two sons. The lessons Moses learnt from his Jewish mother set the course for his life. Thus it is with children we've been given the responsibility to raise. We need to give them something that all the university schools and extracurricular activities in the world cannot give them. Now, I'm not opposed to higher education. You know, I'm glad that doctors go and get lots of education. Amen? 
I'm not glad I'm walking in the doctor's office. Well, that's the first time I've seen someone as sick as you. I don't understand what we're doing, but we're going to try all these. No, I'm glad they get that education. I'm glad the surgeon has been put through a lot of things, lots of testing. And I'm certainly glad that all the pilots that flew the planes I was on this week have received lots of training. I'm, I'm all for it. But we need to give them the knowledge of God. They will not get those at the higher education levels. They won't get that in the secular universities. If they leave your home and they're not the best cooks or the best housekeepers, but they depart with a clear understanding of who God is and who the Lord Jesus Christ is, and they're well ahead of their smarter peers who have no knowledge of God. If they leave your home not knowing how to do the laundry well, Play ball the best or how to conjugate a verb. I don't even know how to do that some days. Solve long division problems or multiply fractions. But if they leave home leaving with a love of the Bible, a love of Jesus Christ, and understand that Jesus is their friend and that God loves them, oh man, they are far, far better than those who learn nothing of God from their parents. Hey, a relationship with Jesus Christ means eternity. Amen? In heaven. Knowing Christ the Savior. That is the greatest thing we can give our children, folks. I mean, I'm, and hey, I'm not saying we don't teach them how to do the other things either. No, we need to as good parents. But they're not going to hear true, biblical, sound knowledge from very many places in this world. And man, there's so much out there that sounds like truth, but it's all mixed up. A little tiny bit of truth mixed with a whole bunch of lies. Oh, we need to be just inundating them with the truth. The culture in which we live, parents want their children to have more than they did. And i got no problem with that either. I don't think that's necessarily bad. You know, my mom grew up in Newfoundland, and uh, she was born after Newfoundland joined Confederation, joined Canada. And uh, But even still in her town in the early 60s, there was no running water. She had to go to a well to get water. Uh, so if there's no running water, there's no indoor plumbing either, right? So to the outhouse, they would have to go. You know, I'm, I'm so glad I have it better than that, amen? I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm happy about that. You know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with us wanting our children to do better than us, amen? I think that's good. I think it's right. But they need Jesus. They need to know about Him. They need to go forward with Him. Uh, they need uh, that more than anything else. And again, I'm good for uh, I encourage to get education and, and have a better home and have a better life. And I mean, my mom never graduated from college. Uh, she grew up in a small house, and those desires aren't bad. But we need moms. We need you to begin still in their hearts and cultivating that heart to love Jesus. And it starts with you. You're that example. They need to see that mom loves Jesus. You know, they need to, they need to know that you're serious about going to church and, and that you're serious about serving Jesus and they need to see those things. And listen, they're going to see how you act on a bad day and, and you know, I'm like, oh, I have so many bad days, Pastor Alcock. You don't know. Hey, we all have bad days. Your kids have bad days too and you gotta live with it. <laughs> Well, the reality is, just be that testimony. Just be their mom and, and go forward with Jesus. Lead them. You know, with leading, you've got to be up in front, right? You've got to be up in front. And just come with me. Come with me. Uh, 
Sometimes I joke around with other guys in leadership. It's like uh, uh, sometimes, uh, especially with teenagers. I'm sorry, teenagers, this has happened too many times. feels like we're herding cats. You know, we get one over here and the other one's running up the wall over there. And this one's over this way. You know, so, sometimes it feels, moms, that you just can't get them together. Right, moms? You just can't see them. It's not working out. Hey, you keep being faithful. You just keep being faithful. Don't stop. Please don't stop. Please keep going forward. I'm glad my parents took me to church. I'm so glad my mom made a priority. My dad, uh, when I was younger, he would work. He'd be away on weekends, uh, building bridges or bridges, sorry, building, uh, uh, wharfs and, uh, dredging and things so he wouldn't be around as much on weekends. Hey, mom still brought us to church. I'm so glad. You know what? I don't have any scars over that. I'm okay. It's good to be in church. It's good to be in a place where you're going to hear the Word of God. It's good to be in a place and good fellowship. Uh, I can remember uh, growing up, my parents would clean the church. And guess what? I didn't have an option to stay at home. I went too. You know, and help clean the toilets and help clean the sinks. And there's my parents serving away, scrubbing it down. They did that for years. I can remember my mom witnessing to her family. Comes from a really staunch Roman Catholic background. And she got mocked. She got ridiculed. You know, some of her family said, you're too strict on your kids. You don't, you know, you're, you're a holier than thou type people now. Blah, 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 blah. And it was amazing, but 15 years later, they, those same people came to mom and said, man, you raised some great kids, Clarice. How'd you do it? Oh, guess what? Great time to witness again, isn't it? Great time to say, hey, it was through Jesus we did it. You know, last August I led my uncle to the Lord in Vancouver. It was because of my mom's witness that I was able to do that. She was the one who sowed the seed. She was the one who repeatedly told them, you need to be saved. You need to be saved. Oh, moms, you keep doing it. You keep serving the Lord. You keep doing what's right. Give your children uh, the, the, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, I don't know it all. That's fine. Give them what you have. Give them a love for Jesus. You can give them that. Listen, no Bible college is going to give your child a love for God. That, that has to be developed and you can develop it, help develop it in their life really early. You can do it. Don't stop. Don't give up. I know some days you want to pull out your hair. Sometimes you want to pull out their hair too. <laughs> They've been bad. They haven't been good, you know. And uh, it's, you know, some days are really, really good, and some other days are really, really bad. You know, can't they get the medium? Whatever the case, hey, you keep serving Jesus. You keep being that witness, that testimony to them. You know, God providentially prepared Moses for the role of deliverer for Israel, and He used two women to give him, uh, gave him two women, two mothers to help him. Developing the leader, and they were totally polar opposites. We have no information that Pharaoh's daughter ever believed in Jehovah. I don't think she did, but she God used her in his life. Their influence made Moses the man that he became, and boy, he became a great man. Moms, you're invested in some great kids. I'm so thankful for each and every one of our moms. Keep serving them. Keep doing right. Dear Jesus, thank You for our mothers. Well, I've heard many 
say to me that they're discouraged and things aren't going great and they feel sometimes maybe they're even failing. Lord, give them the strength they need. Help them to look to You and help them to continue sowing those seeds of truth and love, the Gospel and the lives of their children. And help us as children to be thankful for our moms. Help our teenagers to love and honor their parents, their moms. As adults, let's honor our moms. Lord, we have been blessed. And Lord, maybe some of our moms aren't saved. Lord, I pray that You would work in their hearts. Help us to be faithful in prayer for them and their salvation. Help us to have a good testimony. Lord, I pray You'd be with our moms in a special way. Lord, there be any mom here this morning doesn't know You as Savior. Lord, that's the greatest need of their life today. They would accept You. And you, Lord, You'll change their life. You will transform it. Lord, thank You for this time. And bless the invitation now, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.